going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Stereotherapy. I'm your host, Lisa, and of course, I've got my wonderful co-host, Justine, right there with me. If you're new here, this is the show that showcases the importance of music and mental health. We invite guests on to share their own story of how music has made an impact in their lives and their own mental health journey and how they cope within that journey. Remember, as always, guys, I know we say it every episode, but it would mean a lot if you left us a positive rating and review on any app you're listening to this right now. Again, it just means a lot to us, and we appreciate anyone that has already done so. Today on the show, we were joined by Kaylee Goldsworthy, and this is what admittedly I've been trying for a very long time. When I first started this podcast, she was a guest I wanted to have on right away. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way just with our schedules, and I'm so happy this conversation can finally come up. Kaylee and I go way back in a way because she was my very first interview I ever did nearly 13 years ago, and she was so kind and wonderful to come back on this podcast all these years later, and it was incredible to see where she's at today. We talk about everything from her love of Alkaline Trio, of the record version 2.0, and how people like Shirley Manson and Kathleen Hanna have made an impact in her life, how being on stage with amongst her heroes and how they have been great to her and in her own musical journey. We also dove into mental health and how as a musician and just as a person, what we can do for ourselves and for others. And it was just such a wonderful conversation. And I really appreciate if you guys checked out her Patreon that we list at the bottom. And we're going to dive into that too, because she's doing something really amazing over there. She also, after we recorded this episode, announced she's going to be on some West Coast dates of the Anthony Green solo tour coming up in the spring. So if you're out there in the Arizona, California area, please go check her out because I'm very jealous of you for getting that. I'll have links below for that if you want to grab some tickets, if they're still available. But enough of the spiel. You guys clicked on this. You want to hear it. I want you to hear this one. Here is our conversation with Kaylee Goldsworthy. I mean, I, again, uh, this is so awesome and I'm oh, looking forward thanks. to this. And I actually found when I was cleaning like an area the other day, my old little sketchbook from so long ago when I very first interviewed you like what was oh it 2010 gosh. 2011 whatever and I'm like it's just so wild to look back on that and to have that and see where you're at now and I'm just I'm so proud of everything not that you need me to say that but I'm just so proud of everything you've accomplished since then and since thank that thank you yeah. and same I mean you interviewed me 13 years ago oh my god that's nuts. Yeah. Like that's, uh, and I know one thing when I was doing a little digging, cause I said, I want to do a little digging on you and listening to Jeremy, uh, Bohm of Touche Amore, his podcast, which I love, uh, just to plug his right. podcast, but, um, and learned your love of Alkaline Trio and how oh, yeah. you found them. And like our podcast is about music and mental health and the importance and knowing that band was important to you. I was so excited because we both, Justine and I, <laughs> love adore that band and for you what was about that band made such an impact whether it was back then when you were younger to like even now I'm sure um what I think I love about Alkaline Trio was even how I like when I first saw them mm -hmm. and like saw the visuals that that all of their promo shots all of their album artwork it was just I, I was 
raised in like a very prog rock household. So I was raised watching concerts that were like bands that were putting on a show. And as much as I was like deeply ingrained in the punk and hardcore scene in Syracuse, there wasn't a ton of that like showmanship. And so to me, Alkaline Trio was like kind of like the perfect crossover where it wasn't like a theatrical thing necessarily, but it was like, they had a look, they had a thing. And it was like, that just resonated with me. And then just, I loved, even though they weren't necessarily theatrical and how they dressed, like their songs were like, you know, it was the, everything about it was so over the top, so dramatic. And it just like spoke to little like theater me also just like the, this person who was like, wait, this is like so descriptive and so macabre and so like just cool but also like so up my alley in terms of like you know being in a punk band on the weekends and then being like you know the the first violinist of the symphony during the weekdays you know what I mean like that yeah. was my high school life and it was like so cool to have something like kind of I don't know that band just is, is so cool to me still always has been like and even like especially the crimson era like that's the theatrics i'm getting like out of that whether yes. or how like the cover and just seeing them live and and where they're at today i know they're gonna drop a new record soon which is so exciting but and i know you kind of had a full circle moment almost because when you did the revival tour all those years ago being on stage with dan andriano what was that like like for the younger you to be up there then years later with one of the favorite members of your favorite band I mean, I think that the revival tour, I've said it a lot in, in like interviews and podcasts about it. That was like a, such a pivotal moment for me too, where, um, like in so many regards, because it was, it was like, okay, I've been given this amazing opportunity. First off, I get to be on stage with my heroes. Like that's insane to me. And, and this was in 2010, 2011, right around, right around the first time we spoke, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I had just moved to New York. The Scarlet Ending, my first band, had just kind of like decided we were going to do our own thing. So I was grappling with the reality of trying to be a musician, going about doing it on my own. And then all of a sudden, I got asked to play the show with my heroes by one of my heroes. Chuck is an incredible musician, it has an incredible history of, of music and music that affected me deeply. And then to... Uh, you know, the revival tour is interesting where in that, like when you, when you agree to be a part of it, you kind of just get sent in this Dropbox folder and everybody's like going to put in the songs that they're going to plan on playing and you're free to go on stage or not whenever you want. It's a free for all. They trust you. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the most pivotal moment for me was that like, not only am I in a, in an, in a venue where I am going to be performing with my heroes, but they trust me to do my thing with them mm -hmm. and I think that was like the thing that blew my mind and um you know I've got I've told this story time and time again I went on to do the next show after that and the following show after that and I got fired from my job um doing it but it was like I it was the in that moment when I when I told my boss I couldn't come in it was in that moment before I walked on stage to sing with Dan at the revival tour where I was like okay what am I am I gonna be someone who just uh, listens to these musicians and and wishes that I could be a part of that or am I actually going to like take this leap that is fucking terrifying mm -hmm. I could fall on my face live I could not do a great job I could lose my job all of these things like it was in that moment where I was like nope 
I I'm one of them. I, I, they trust me. So why don't I trust myself to be able to do what I want to do? I just can't imagine. I know, I know that has to be such an important moment, like you said, because I, I need anyone even here that like yourself that wants to come on and I, I know it's going to sound cheesy, but you're one of those inspirations for me, you know, and hearing your songs or even that you've gone into that music industry where it is such a man's world. And you're someone that has gone on those stages and seeing you at Alice Dunes last year, like commanded that stage where there were people around me that maybe were unfamiliar and even especially the dudes, they were just like so glued in. And I was ready to be like, if I hear anything negative, that's going to be it. <laughs> We're going to go off here. Yeah, I uh, I feel really, really fortunate and really, really grateful. And I think that imposter syndrome is kind of something that goes along with doing anything creative because mm -hmm. creativity in and of itself is like a very vulnerable and rebellious act. Um, and I think that um, getting over that voice in your head that kind of tells you that or questions why you are where you are, what you did to get to where you are, or that what you didn't do to get to where you are and whether or not you deserve any opportunity whatsoever. Um, I, I've, you know, as I've gotten older, I've also become acutely aware of how the most important thing in life is the people that you surround yourselves with, the chosen family, the people that lift you up and, you know, t the past year was like a really rough year for me personally. And the people who got me out of it were my friends. And I can't believe my great fortune that my close friends are also some of my musical heroes uh, and that I then also get to go on tour with them. And I get to, you know, just kind of like leech off some of their wisdom and their and their good naturedness and the genius that they have in everything they do and realize that like you know we really are the people that hold ourselves back the most totally relatable to us in doing that that imposter syndrome it gets there and you know again even on that small scale that we have this and you know you'll whether it's a pitch or someone you're like hey I would really like them on my podcast and you know, you're left unread and you're kind of like, oh, so it is, it's the chosen family. And I'm so lucky I have Justine here for that because that's so important. So something we like to ask, because it's always so interesting hearing everyone's different moments, but what is your first memory of falling in love with music? Oh, so we, my sister and I, it's hard because I'm an identical twin. So whenever I talk about myself younger, it's always a we and it's not a me. Um, <laughs> because I had someone the exact same age doing the exact same shit as me. Yes. Um, so when we were younger, our family lived not very close to a lot of our other family members. So most of our family lived out on Long Island or in New York. Um, and we were in upstate New York. So my parents always had a video camera around us. And whenever they sent us Christmas presents. Like we would unwrap them on video and sing them songs and all of this kind of thing. And I think that it was like definitely during those moments where, and it's funny because I don't have like a ton of memories from inside of my head, if that makes a lot of sense from when I was younger, but my parents did such a great job of recording our childhood that like, I, I can re remember seeing these things and being like, Oh yeah, that was it. And I just remember like us, my sister and I just singing, I know uh, Christmas songs to a camera and then being like, stop, let's sing. 
invisible touch. Like, and then we just break out into a Genesis song or like, stop love shack. And then like, we were our own little like jukebox. Like you could tell that we were just like unable to be contained within the confines of needing to do Christmas songs. You know, like we were just kind of like surrounded by so much music that I think it, I can't tell when it was my first memory. It just was always there. But watching back these like three-year-old kids being like, no, deck the halls, B-52s. <laughs> we must go with Cindy Lauper for this next one. I, I love that. That's I could just picture that because I remember me at a young age, I would put on like my mom's <laughs> shoes or whatever it was and like dance around to whether it was Whitney Houston or, mm-hmm. and just these, or like for her, it was Pat Benatar. That's what I grew up with around there. Yes. And, and she, and we probably have little videos of us doing that same thing with like a hairbrush and like, again, no singing skills at all. But man, at that like six-year-old self of mine, I absolutely felt that. So I, oh God, I can relate to that so much. And I know for you too, someone like the band Garbage, I know version 2.0 was an important record for you. And obviously Shirley Manson, and I know I can relate. So can Justine. (laughs) What about that music? And maybe either whether it's that record or or having someone like Shirley Manson up there, what about that inspired you? So what I think is really cool about Shirley is that here's this punk band, but they're doing something a little bit different. Uh, and it's more electronic and it's more synth heavy. And it's just a little deviation from the punk music that I was listening to and finding on my own, um, you know, through other friends and whatnot. Like as much as I love punk music, to me, it felt very like tunnel, especially with women. Like, you know what I mean? You weren't seeing a ton of that stuff that you could grasp onto. Um, and so being like a classically trained violinist and pianist, I was always kind of trying to be like, okay, yes. And like, what else, what else can I do with this skill set? Because I can play guitar and that's fun and that's great. And I love being, you know, my first band was a Ramones cover band. I love playing punk music, but then like, I don't know that record, like opened me up to this whole idea that like, I was like, oh, I can also write pop songs Mm -hmm. and be a punk band or I can also have piano and I can also play around with synths and it can be electronic music and it can also be punk music and so I think that having and also just I mean I feel so lucky to have grown up with idols like Shirley Manson and Liz Fair Mm -hmm. and Kathleen Hanna and like just being able to see those women be the pioneers like holy shit, what a torch. You know what I mean? Like how cool to be able to watch these women just do their thing so unapologetically and also just do it their way because also it couldn't sound like what the men were doing because the women had never done it before, you know? Or, you know, they have, they always have been. I'm not saying that there weren't a million great bands with women in them, but it was just like, those were the, finally some were breaking through so that the rest of us could see the possibility. And then from there, you can dig deeper and find all of those other bands that, you know, helped get all of, get garbage, get list fair where, where they are. But yeah, holy crap. She's so badass. Oh. So badass in every way. Yeah. Like that's, I tell people all the time, like that, those were like Shirley Manson, Kathleen Hanna, um, Fiona Apple for me was another oh, yeah. one. Like, and I can't 
you know, even at that young age, listening to a criminal and seeing that video again, at that age, did I have any business? No, but it led me down that path of all these wonderful women that were just doing yes. it. And, and I mean, I grew up with Tori Amos too. So it was like, oh. those videos were not suitable for children. <laughs> no, we, we did an episode on the nineties and, and some of the women too. And it was wild to go back and look at some of these videos or even, uh, you know, nine inch nails, Trent Reznor, like his video for closer. I'm like, well, did we yeah. have any, any, anything to listen to this? No, absolutely not at our young age, but it led me down the path I am and forever grateful for people. Like and that's Shirley also Hansen. really an interesting point to make too, because I feel like obviously now we're visiting old movies, for example, you're like, wow, okay, that would not be rated PG now, or that would not oh. fly now. <laughs> like to think about how, how, if, I mean, yes, now we've kind of like inundated sex into our regular vernacular and in, in music videos and whatnot but like what a way to push the envelope especially being a woman like holy shit mm -hmm. they got away with some i mean they did it themselves they they somehow got it past everybody to be like this is a music video and people were like all right but holy yeah. shit how i i don't even think i realized just how like pushing the boundary that actually really was to to then also have the visuals that went along with it pretty yeah. cool yeah like uh, just so important I know I feel like you're going to be one of them because I think these younger girls that I've seen in the crowds that they look to you especially that Ellis Dune show and they were all just like Kaylee 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 and wanting those little ghosts and everything you had at the merch and I was like see what what a time we have where you know who knows maybe years from now I, I guarantee you're going to be one of those Shirley Manson-esque people up there and people are going to think the same way that's really kind. Um, I I feel like even in even in that capacity is a is a situation where I feel like I have like insane imposter syndrome because the people that I look to are up to are so cool. <laughs> and I don't always view myself as being so cool. Um, but I also do see the importance and I don't take any of it lightly with the fact that, you know, there's there are some incredible bands with women in them but there's still not enough. Mm -hmm. And so to be one of them who gets the opportunity to be, to play music in front of large groups of people in a male dominated industry is not lost on me. And so I do try very, very hard to, to not squander that opportunity and just do the best I possibly can and, and, and make, uh, make my idols <laughs> try and do them any shred of justice in this, in this age of the music industry. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing, though, with this industry. I'm what has been a moment you've been proud of so far when you look back on your career? I honestly think that that LS Dunes tour was probably one of the biggest highlights of my life. Um, the I was completely overwhelmed with just gratitude and, and the coolness of everyone who came to those shows. Being able to do the U.S. and the U.K. and Europe run with them was just unreal. And um, I remember being so I've toured in the U.K. and Europe. I haven't played a ton of solo shows over there, but I did do some. So I didn't quite know what to expect when I went over there with Alice Dunes. And by show two, everyone had memorized like every song of my set because uh, I didn't deviate too, too much because again, I'm the opener in a place I've never played before. I kind of want to play songs that people become familiar with. I'll sub a few out here or there, but like, these are my songs and this is, you know, how I wanted to introduce myself to this new group of people. And 
there were nights where I would like struggle to even get through the songs because I was just I'm a Pisces and I am very emotional and man if you know the words to my songs I'm still not not fully accustomed to seeing an entire group of people an entire venue singing those back to me especially being a solo woman on a stage before a really loud rock band made up of dudes like you know and they're the best dudes in the world don't get me wrong but I I've felt very I always had a little air of nervousness going out into the crowd every night to try and do that um and so then to also have that be in the states and have my mom come to the music hall of Williamsburg show I used to bartend across the street from music hall of Williamsburg and it was a dream of mine to be able to play that stage and I have been fortunate enough to play it many times at this point and I think more than one solo um so but to have my mom there and have like a full have that experience and have her experience that with me was really special I can imagine because I remember there was um I think one of those moments happened at the oh gosh where was it Asbury Lanes like there's so many things here but um and you had one of those moments on stage and that to me was just like look how amazing incredible this is and for you to be like you said surrounded by those guys and although we don't know them personally it just musically any of those guys have made an impact in our lives as well and I mean that's Anthony Green is the reason why we even met at a show at a solo (laughs) Anthony Green show all these years later and um, here we are and just to see you have that moment and again like it was just not even putting me in that equation but just knowing and seeing the journey from like a standoff like or you know on, online and seeing snippets of that and then to see you on that stage and have that moment it was it was just so special too, even for me as a fan to see you have that moment. I mean, and it's one of those things too, where I feel really lucky because a lot of times people say like, you know, don't meet your idols. And that I've known that to be true sometimes too. Sometimes I've met people, I have met people that I have looked up to my entire life and they have underwhelmed me with their presence, with their coolness. And I also understand, especially once you're a certain level of famous you can, people are allowed to have bad days. They're not always going to be showing you their best selves and that's completely understandable. And I can accept that. Yeah. But every member of LS Dunes is truly like, yes, they deserve every ounce of, of, uh, everything. They're the best people I've ever met. They're the most supportive people in the world. They're so insanely talented. They're so insanely kind. They're so like, just, yeah, they're the best people on the planet. They're truly the most wonderful people I've met in music, hands down. And again, they're all in bands that have been around, what, 20 plus years. And to have that, and that's, oh, that's so incredible. Joining Frank Iero and the Future Violence was such an important time in your life. And what ways did that inspire you? And how amazing was it to team up with Tucker and Frank and playing with all students? But you kind it of already was went, so but. amazing. It was okay. So, so when I got the call uh, to be in Frank's new band, I didn't know who else was going to be in it either. Um, and until we all showed up to his house to practice and I was like, oh my gosh, holy shit. This is crazy. Look at all these amazing people that I get to be like, it, it felt like it felt like you got the call to be brought up on the A team, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's kind of how I felt my whole musical career. Like my band, I will never knock all of the amazing accomplishments that the Scarlet ending my first band did. They, we had a pub deal when I was in high school. I, we did USO tours and saw places in the world that I will never ever probably go back to just because how could I, Mm -hmm. um, 
And, but we never toured the States. We never did a proper album cycle. We never did anything like that. And so then I tried to start doing that solo and then it just kind of like everything found its way. And I just allowed myself to kind of go with the flow and be this bouncy ball in my own life, you know, and just kind of go wherever I'm supposed to go. And so Mm -hmm. I was touring in Dave Haas's band and I met Frank and we just got along really, really well. And then, you know, six months later, just a random phone call. And then I was like, I think I just said, I'm going to be in Frank's band. I think he just asked me to be in his band. And I think I just said, yes. And I think, I think I'm going to be in Frank's band now. Uh, that's really cool. That's really fucking cool. cool. Um, and I think the coolest thing, and I think that being in Frank's band is just kind of like another level of myself kind of like allowing myself to bloom a little more and open up just a little bit more because here I was constantly always being in my head. Am I good enough? And even though I'm leveling up, like, okay, but when, like, but now where do I go? I'm not good enough to do this. Like, you know, now what do I do? Um, and to be able to go out on stage every night with, again, musicians every single night, write a record with musicians that I've looked up to and then go out on stage every single night. And the environment that Frank created for that band was unlike any dynamic I've ever experienced where it was just fun. Instead of going out on stage every night and feeling nervous and feeling like, oh my God, I hope I don't fuck up. Mm-hmm. I remember going out on stage every night and before we'd start the first song, just like biggest sigh ever, just being like, all right, let's have some fun. And that's what to me music is all about. And to be able to feel that way with the group of people that you're making music with is also like, so fucking cool and i don't think it always happens that way because it sure as shit hasn't happened that way to me you know um so i mean it changed my life because it allowed me to to also i highly recommend for anyone doing anything creative or any musicians out there like become join a band with people who are better than you do it you're gonna get better you know surround yourself with people that are doing the shit that you want to be doing because you're gonna learn from them you know it's not an opportunity mooch to, to surround yourself with people that you want to, you want to be like, uh, and, and, you know, I, you don't, it's, it's so inspiring to just be around people who are doing cool shit. Honestly, like I I feel so redundant because I'm just like, I'm like, I'm so lucky. I (laughs) I'm fighting whether or not I deserve to be here. Uh, surround yourself with people and just do cool shit all the time. It's, it's the coolest opportunity in the world and being a part of the future violence, 150% changed my life. But it also made me realize that like, yeah, if I continue to work hard and practice hard and do what I do, I am worthy of whatever it is that I want. I'm capable of getting whatever job it is that I want, because if these people trust me to play in their band with them, write music with them, be on tour with them, then why can't I? I don't care about any other music industry executive. I don't care about booking agents. I don't care about Spotify algorithms. If the people that I grew up with, inspired by their music, if they think I'm doing a good job, then who am I to judge myself on any other capacity, you know? Oh. I love that. You're you're saying so many important things. I'm like, oh gosh, like I, I can't wait for this to come up because I think I, even me, like I need to hear that sometimes. Right. Because it's, it's in a weird, I feel like everybody has a podcast and again, it's a big male dominated thing as well. And then it's like, all right, even wanting to start this, do I, because like there's all, all these other podcasts out here that like have all this better equipment, they know what they're doing. They understand 
And it was just like, I kind of have to always keep that too of, you know what, we do it this for ourselves. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about that. But things like Spotify and things, they push you under and they, you know, they want to any little algorithm or they want you to be a content creator these days on Instagram to get any likes or anything, anybody towards your way. So that's just it's so, so stupid it's such it's such a I, I think the other important thing about that and it's something that like I've even made a joke my boyfriend and I have a a little we were talking about it the other day and like we're not allowed to talk about Spotify before noon like because I'm just so salty <laughs> I'm like I what can't time deal is it with right that. now are we good yeah no yeah. it's like I'm at, we can't do this um but it's such an important thing to realize that like Right now, the music industry and the entertainment industry and the streaming industry are not fair games anymore. It's not even like when we were in the MySpace era where like you could do it yourself because there was like this grounds root, like you could actually build an organic following. Um, and I feel for a lot of people who built their following and their career on social media platforms like Vine or like mm -hmm. Twitter even, yeah. like, you know what I mean? And now even, even Instagram, like I yeah. built an organic following. I was really proud of this. I was like, okay, cool. I can talk to like my people. My people are fine me and I'm finding them and this is great. And then all of a sudden I'm just starting to look at all of like the numbers and it's like, oh, they're being seen by 300 people. Oh, they're okay. That's why this isn't working. Okay, cool. And so I think it's so important to realize that we aren't re representative or even reflective of our social media following our algorithm counts because there's also people that I've seen that have never played live shows, but have 500,000 Spotify's, you know, it's like, yeah. and that's, and their music is great. Don't get me wrong, but we're coming at the industry from different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you're trying to do it this way, then maybe it's not going to work in the grand scheme of like how the algorithm wants you to do it right now. But also I don't want to be beholden to the way the algorithm wants me to do it because we've lived through social media networks that have crashed and failed and done things and not done things. And I'm not going to invest in this thing that isn't paying me. Mm -hmm. Um, why would I change how I do my career because of this thing that's not paying me, but it's telling me to do it this way. Um, so I, you know, it's so hard. To, it's, it's hard to want to do something just to want to do it. Uh, and I think that I dislike that the most because that's the whole reason we're supposed to want to create in the first place mm -hmm. is because we just want to do it. But social media and everything else is making it so that we don't want to make the stuff that we want to make because we don't want to deal with it. Um, and so I applaud everybody for doing a podcast, like, you know, it's, uh, and everyone who wants to put out music and everyone who wants a tour. Cause it's like, it is, it's an uphill battle. We're not, you know, uh, boy genius is already huge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's not going to, we can't compete with, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. one of those things where it's like, and it's not, it's not that it's not worth trying. I'm just saying that like the, you know, we're, we're fighting a, a losing battle. So make up your own rules and do it your way. So many things I'm going to clip for myself and just keep <laughs> it when I'm like having a bad day and being like, I need to listen to this and just have this in my back pocket. And, uh, although I know we're, gosh, we're in 2024 right now, but in, um, 2022, I want, I want to go back to it because I feel like there's so many people in my life that I pushed, um, your record. Uh, oh, and it too, obviously, you know, we're talking about learning to be happy. And I think a lot of it for me, at least in the listener, there was a lot of kind of like knowing your worth in, in having that, especially over ambitious. Like, like I said, like that one was 
replayed all the time and in Boomerang and I, I could just list them all. But um, I guess looking back on that, did you think that was kind of really therapeutic for you to get out? And how yeah. was it also working with Will Yip? Because I think Will Yip is one of those guys, whatever he touches, he does so many different projects and anything he touches, I listen to. How was that whole experience with that record? Um, I do. I think that I do. I think it was very therapeutic. Um, I think that it's funny because sometimes when I'm writing, I, that is how I'm processing. So I'm kind of like actively processing where it's not even like the lesson has been learned yet. Mm -hmm. Um, it's funny because in the past, my friends have joked that I've like predicted my own future. So I'm like, maybe I should write happy songs. Then. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be cool. Uh, <laughs> I want a million dollars, like, you know, something yeah. like that, maybe. Um, but I don't, I, it was very therapeutic to me to go through all of those emotions. And even though like now I'm realizing in 2024 that I hadn't yet fully realized the, the lessons that I was trying to kind of hammer into my own brain until even like recently, even this past year. Um, but it, it definitely like, how the record came together, especially being so disjointed because of the pandemic, it still feels like a very complete sentence to me. And I really enjoy that. Um, and working with Will, I mean, when I moved to Philly, I was just like, yeah, that would be, that would be the dream to make a record with Will, to be able to do the record with Will. Because also in my head, I was like, that's also the only way I'd be able to do it is if I didn't have to like fly to Philly and find a place to stay. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm yeah. thinking real DIY. Um, and working with Will like I said, when you find the right people, it's just like, it just clicks and everything is easy and everything is fun. And I started with uh, more of a full band ensemble in the studio, but at the end with the pandemic, like it was just Will and I, and we were working so quickly and efficiently. And he understood everything I was trying to do and everything I was trying to say. And he knew exactly how to make that better, which is, I mean, what will does he's mm -hmm. he's incredible at at taking something that you are proud of and holding closely and then be like but what if you do this and you're like you're a genius yeah, yeah. i can't say enough good things about that record and i hope people go back Thanks. to it if they haven't heard it for some reason i don't know why you haven't because <laughs> i've posted about it i know other people so thank you um, um so we know it's a man's world in the music industry what would you hope to see in the future that can maybe change that um, I think, I think that we're in an interesting part of the industry where we're seeing, you know, like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and Boy Genius, like these are the top three huge artists right now. And I love that they're women. That's so cool. Um, I, I do think that perhaps starting to see that shift might trickle down to more. Punk I mean, like there's also incredible bands now like Scowl taking mm -hmm. up space like that. Um, but I do, I just, I want to see more of that. I want to see more. Uh, and it's hard because it's almost like in a way I was like, well, why aren't there's, there's so many of us doing this, yeah. but even in high school, there was not. And I was like, why? Like, is it because yeah. we, we didn't think we could, like, was the permission not given to us and who do we need permission from? Um, so in my mind, I'm hoping that just even by younger kids seeing Taylor 
and even seeing Beyonce and seeing Boy Genius and seeing, you know, different types of music excelling, maybe they'll have permission or give themselves permission to be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it's not a question. I'm just going to do this, you know, um, because I think it's it's more so just like trying to fill the space with more people doing it. And I don't I don't always know why we're not more prevalent, because like, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of of women doing all of the things with grace and better time management than the men in our lives, you know? So if we tried, we could do it. So like, let's all do it. You know? Um, I'm, I'm also a full proponent of just like starting a commune in like 20 years with like my closest girlfriends and just kind of saying like, cool, this is it. And I will be happy forever. So (laughs) I, it is, I love to see, like, I know Scowl is one of those bands too. I love to see it. And especially in that genre too, because that's another, I mean, all genres are, but that one specific, I mean, there's still the guys, I'd like to think things changed since high school when I would go to shows and it was very much like, oh, what are you doing here? Or you wear a band shirt, right? And yeah, like, oh, do you even know them or okay? It's hard because it's almost like I don't know how to answer that question because I'm like, I just want to see it. I just want to see it be different. But then I'm like, but wait, why wasn't it different when I was growing up? And I'm like, I don't know. Why wasn't it? Like, where did, how did it all, where, who's the gatekeeper? Are we, are we gatekeeping ourselves? I think maybe that's it. Talk about it all the time. I talk about it all the time. I just wish I had like white male confidence Mm -hmm. because I think that that holds us all back just a little bit. (laughs) And absolutely like even like, this podcast like when there's people I know that also have podcasts and they'll do a pitch and they're like oh you know how are things going like they're great because I'm just doing me and and it's wherever life takes this but I'm like man sometimes I look at my some of my friends that do it I'm like I wish I did I wish I had your confidence to just go and be like all right I'm gonna do this one I have no business doing yeah and but I also think like and I also want to say that I also understand the place of privilege that I come from even just being where I am right now but there is something to be said for this completely lack of filter of doubt. Mm-hmm. And there's something that is completely lacking where it's like, you know, someone would be like, hey, uh, can you do this? And maybe you've never done it before. I want the ability to say, yeah, I can. Because I also know that like similarly to every other thing in my entire life, I didn't do it until I did it once. You know, so why are we not, why are we not allowing ourselves the ability to have that sort of confidence, that blind filterless confidence in ourselves? Um, yeah, I want more of that. I think, I think I want more of that for, for the, the feminist universe. Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. And I podcast also deals with the importance of mental health and it's, it's a big thing. And I know we've made a lot of a lot of progress, but we still have a long way to go too. Whether it's being a musician or just your everyday life, how do you cope with mental health? Especially like, you know, we can talk about the pandemic, but mental health was here before the pandemic too. And I think some people forgot about that, that maybe didn't experience it. And there's some of us that struggle every day. How do you cope yeah. with that in your own mental health? I'm a huge proponent of therapy. Um, and I kind of wax and wane in my life as to how frequently I need that sort of one-on-one time. But I also feel as though um, being reflective is like super, super important because touring in general is its own situation that greatly affects mental health, good and bad. Um, being in a music industry, 
being in any industry, I mean, like we talked about with imposter syndrome, like it all stems from this comparison need that for some reason we have, where we always compare ourselves to other people. We always compare ourselves to our past. And something that I'm even struggling with currently in my life is just that like, you know, as, as we age and as we get older, we're told we need to trust our gut all the time. But, um, I'm kind of like dealing with this little issue where I'm like, Hey, um, my gut is telling me that the situation is wrong, but my gut might be wrong because mm -hmm. I'm just expecting the same outcome I've expected for the past 25 years. And what if I'm opening myself up to a new opportunity to have something that I haven't had before? Maybe my gut is holding me back from trying something. Obviously, I don't recommend using this sort of thing if, if you ever feel unsafe. <laughs> but like, I'm just saying like, you know, I struggle sometimes with opportunities for myself to explore happiness and, and love and the lighter side of things because I'm so used to not maybe having the expectation of that as an outcome. Um, and so I think that personally, like, you know, the pandemic brought to light, I think a lot of people who maybe didn't realize the overarchingness of men of the mental health umbrella. Like, you know, I suffer from anxiety and depression. I've never shied away from talking about that. But I think a lot of people who didn't believe that that stuff was true, or you could just kind of get over it, or you could just talk yourself out of it. Like, I think a lot of people then realized, oh, no, I can't just talk myself out of this like darkness. I can't just talk myself out of this pain. And I think that it started to kind of like give us a little bit more empathy towards understanding the struggle of mental health. Um, but personally, like I, you know, tours, high highs, low lows. One of my favorite stories to tell is that like I played Coachella in 2013 and I took a Greyhound bus home because I didn't have a way to get home from playing the festival. Wow. And it's like, you don't anticipate in your head if you think like, oh, rock stardom, like, how is that, Kaylee? And I'm like, well, I did, I did. I played Coachella and then I took a $13 bus home because I couldn't figure out another way to get back. Wow. Like, you know, it's like one of those things. And I, I don't, I don't say that to like elicit any kind of sympathy. I just think that that's the reality of what being a musician is. You take the high highs, you take people knowing every word to every one of your songs and then the, the low lows, which is coming home and being like, now what do I do to make money? Because I don't have a job because I just was able to just do this thing for six weeks, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think a lot of us too, that we forget too, when we go see a favorite artist or, that might be day 30 on whatever day it is. And again, maybe you catch them on a day where maybe they're the bus breaks down or they're just having a bad day because we all have them. And I think it really showed me to, as I got older, instead of being mad that, oh, you know, my favorite band's not coming to my tour date. Well, they have no control over that. Why am I, you know, and kind of changing that and that at the end of the day, they're all real people. And I can't imagine being in that industry and, dealing with my own mental health. Like I have anxiety and depression and it's sometimes at its worst. And mm -hmm. even on days where we're doing this podcast and it's like, oh great, we gotta, we gotta edit an episode. How do I even get off the couch and like get this done? But I have to get it done. And just kind of also realizing that you need a break. And I, it just, it really opened my eyes, the mental health that as musicians deal with that a lot of people don't consider when maybe they're on Twitter or any Instagram and they want to like say a comment or whatever's bothering them that, Hey, there's like, these are real people dealing with real things. And we need to yeah. be really respectful of that and take 
take a second and before we're we on can there. get sick or also mm-hmm. like you know when we talk about our politics or our belief systems we're told that we should shut up and sing but then when we don't weigh in on current events we're at fault for that yes. um and obviously i'm a very small person in this grand scheme of like musicians with opinions but it's it, it is it's funny because it's like you know i hated when i saw especially in 2023 to 2023 when we first started to tour again to then have to cancel shows because we would get sick yeah every tour we would get sick and then we'd have to cancel shows and then people would be like well what happens now you're not going to refund my hotel and it's like oh my god yeah Uh, i can't imagine and i even thought like my first thought too was like well do people understand that this is their livelihood a lot of people a lot of musicians don't have health insurance or if they do they have the low minimum because of you know, what they get paid and everything. Because our country doesn't value the arts as a viable means to, to, as an occupation. It's insane. You know, I remember growing up so close to Canada and wishing my parents would move us up to Canada so that we could have the support that the Canadian government gives to its musicians and creatives. (laughs) Like, I, yeah, like it's, it's crazy. Like if you asked me when I was a kid, what I wanted to be when I grew up, it would be like a Canadian musician. (laughs) (laughs) say hey you know like what you could be a Lance Morissette you know so uh oh, wow yeah I just it's so much stuff to consider and I think if anyone listening to you, just take a back seat and maybe think about whether it's COVID or they're just sick or just life or even their own mental health when some bands have to take breaks because of their mental health and they're like hey we're we're gonna cancel this show I need a break you see a lot of backlash in that and I think it was um I saw Corey Taylor of Slipknot say that he needed to mm-hmm. cancel some shows and some comments were good, but a lot of them were still these, you know, these people that were just so upset about that. And I'm like, let people take care of themselves. I think we all need to be respectful. Yeah. I do try to, to like, see whenever I'm met with any kind of resistance or anger, I do try hard to like, see where they're coming from. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I understand. Like this sucks. You were looking forward to the show. Um, Betty wishes he wasn't sick. Right. That's kind of all I can really say about that. But I bet, you know, um, because, yeah, it's hard because also being a musician now, the job description has changed. We don't just write music and put music out and tour. We're content creators. We're business managers. We're booking agents. We're management. We're all of these things that if you had explained this job description to me, I'd have been like, I could get paid more doing just one of them for someone else. Right. Why would I do all of this? I don't want to do all of this. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of another, you know, thing to think about too, is that even, even a presence on social media, when you're trying to create, when half the time when I'm writing songs, I don't, I definitely don't look this put together and this is not my most, put, you know what I mean? Like I'm, yeah. I am digging somewhere deep and I am yeah. trying really hard to like figure something out. And, and the last thing on my mind is hitting record on a take so that I can save it for content. Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of the mental health aspect of it too, is because then you're just even more in this comparison machine and this algorithm machine caring about how many people view your real, like hate it. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Like even the other day, I, um, I made a reel just to hopefully, because I loved the conversation I had and I was like, it'd be great if like more people could just hear this conversation. And, um, because like what they said, and I made the stupidest reel like I could ever make. I, I don't. It was nothing. It like took two seconds. I'm sure it and, was wonderful. And that and that thing got four thousand views, all these likes, 
And I was telling Justine, I was like, I don't even care about that. I'm like, but this is just proof. Like that doesn't pull anyone. That didn't pull anyone to listen um, to my guest episode. That didn't do anything. I'm creating this content because it's telling me I have to do it. And it's not even enjoyable. Like that's the worst thing I, I don't want to create. Like I don't want to do that. And um, yeah, I well, I feel like we're heading in a direction where a lot of people are starting to feel that way. Yeah. And that's kind of even why like I pivoted this year and I'm just doing more stuff on my Patreon. And because even that, like even having a Patreon after the pandemic, I was struggling with trying to figure out how am I making meaningful content for people that are subscribing to this while I'm also supposed to be making free content to everyone else to try to drive the traffic over. And I was like, well, what do I want to do? I just want to make more music and I just want to make more art. So how can I figure out a way to just do those things and have it satisfy all of that stuff? Yeah. And that's actually, that was one of my things I wanted to talk about because you released a a song on the first of this Mm -hmm. month in January, If I Were the Moon. And it's, it's so great. I just, I love it. And I think- I wanted to talk about that Patreon and what kind of, because you're going to release a song each month um, and for your Patreon subscribers at such, at such a low price too. I think everybody needs to just, I'll have the link for that because to go do that and um, send them your way. But what are you most looking forward to that? Because I'm sure it's still a taxing process to every month, have something new, whether it's the artwork and have that all together. It's super, it's funny because, um, it's kind it's unlike any way that I've worked before. So I wanted to try to make this Patreon a challenge to myself just as much as like, um, I have a hard time asking people for support, especially financial support. I don't like the idea of, I don't, I don't. And again, maybe it's this imposter syndrome. I, I remember watching Amanda Palmer of the Dresden Dolls like speak at great length about just being like, yo, if you ask for help, like she did on Kickstarter and made over a million dollars, like mm-hmm. there's ways like people do want to support the arts. But to me, I'm still struggling with this. Like I want a low barrier to entry and I want them to feel like they're getting something for their support. What what do I want to do? What do I hope that I am in my life? I hope that I'm a musician and I hope that I'm an artist like that's what I want to do. So to me, it was like, okay, remember at one point we thought that iTunes selling a song for 99 cents was worth it. Why can't we put that monetary value on a song again? Like why? And I think that most people would understand and agree that a dollar for a song is not a lot of money. Um, But we've been kind of hoodwinked by all of our streaming platforms and ability to, to stream music for free that, that all of a sudden this stuff doesn't have any monetary value when in fact musicians spend tens of thousands of their own dollars to make this record that we then give away to Spotify for free. Mm -hmm. So similarly to what we were talking about earlier, I was like, fuck that. I just want to start over and change the rules. And the rules to me are I'm going to write a song and I'm going to give it to the people that want to hear it. And, you know, I even opened up like a yearly option for, I think it's like $21 for a year. I promise you, you will get 12 songs. Mm -hmm. That's less than a ticket price for any show I've been playing anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, I can't even think of anything like that's that's nothing. And it's such a way to give back to the artists that you love so much. Why not do it? It's the perfect thing. It's less than a coffee a month is, is my thought process. And I'm not going to try to pander about that. But I think it's important because also I'm starting to reach people who agree with me that like they're like, yeah, I don't know how to support my favorite indie artists. Yep. And I also understand that having a, you know, having it be 
five, 10, even $5, $10, that's not attainable to everybody. So I was like, what can I do that can make it accessible where I'm really not holding anyone back, but I'm also just trying to make sure that like, I can get the support that I need to have a rehearsal space. That's not my apartment so that I can actually make noise and make more music in an ideal world. I'd be making enough money. So all I have to do is play music. What a novel idea from a musician, like all of the successful musicians that I know that aren't in, you know, massive bands, we all have a second job. And I think that's something else that people don't realize is that we all have to support ourselves in other ways. So I'm just trying to figure out a, a small way where I can try and build this community full of people that want to support my music. And I promise to continue to give music in this capacity. And I think that, you know, at the end of the year, I'll have 12 brand new songs that only people on my Patreon will have heard. Yeah, I think I think that's so cool. And to kind of bring that back. And I think that is it's such a question. So many of us ask, like, how can we support, especially now, like where it is, uh, whether it's a content creation okay well they're making this real but then they play a show and maybe um they're in some financial situation like you said they have two jobs and it's now this way you know it's going directly to you and can support all these things and I think it's such a cool thing when I saw that I was like I have to ask her about that and have it and like again I'll have the link below to it because I'm I'm looking forward to that because I've thank you whether it was um your boomerang video with having ghost face there like it was so cool like I think I can't wait to see what you do with this patreon and this idea thanks it is also hard and I do intend on kind of like discussing that whole process because like I said I usually sit on songs for months if not years um to write a song fully I still don't have the song for this next month. Like I, I have four starting songs. Like, I don't know which one I'm going to pick yet. And and that's hard. There's going to be, it's going to be like a very vulnerable act because not every song I write goes on a record. Uh, do I think that every one of these songs is going to hit, like hit it out of the park? Absolutely not. I also don't, but I'm not going to release something I don't like, you know what I mean? There's like, there's a, there's a dynamic difference where I'm like, will this be a complete record at the end of the year? Well, it will be a complete collection of songs that I wrote every single month, but you know, will it be this one thing? No, because it's not being built that way. When I write a record, I usually think of all of the songs and then I kind of put them where they need to live and where they need to belong. And this is a very different way of doing it where I'm pushing actively through writer's block every single month, no matter what happens to put a song out. And that's kind of scary and weird in its own right. Well, I was going to say, we talk about mental health. I mean, that's another thing. Like I can't imagine going through that and that stress and just it's like you said, like so many songs don't get on records, but you're putting 12 of what you want to represent you out there and having to choose those and just, oh, just so much respect for you. But I, I really, I Thanks. cannot wait to hear it and see it. What self-care things do you do for your mental health? We always like to ask people just so if there's something that somebody hasn't heard about, they yeah. can like add it to their ways to cope. Absolutely. So I am a huge Um, I need to be outside. I need to go outside at least once a day. Um, And I'm a runner, but I think that I need to explain to everyone listening that being a runner does not mean that you need to run fast. Um, I love just going for a run with a podcast I or a record that I really want to check out, but I highly recommend a podcast or even an audiobook where you only listen to the audiobook when you're on a run or on a walk. Um, and I'm talking 13 minute miles, just move your body and engage in 
getting some vitamin D and, and like being out of whatever realm you found yourself in, especially when I'm feeling depressed, especially when I'm feeling anxious, I don't want to leave my house. The answer is to leave my house, you know? So it's like, so what can I do? And I'll put headphones on and people will leave me alone and I'll just slowly do my little jog and I'll have people walking past me. And I'm like, fine with that. Um, running baths. I am a huge long shower bath person. Um, similarly to how, like when you make a soup, I like to think that like, that's where my thoughts come from. So I'm just like, you know, making, making some song stock in the bathtub, just hanging out, just figuring some stuff out. I love long drives to clear my brain. Um, and, uh, yoga, I try really hard to do more yoga and, and I don't, there's an app called down dog. And I think it's like 20 bucks for the year, like something like that. And you can access it whenever you want. You can make the practices as short or as long as you want. Some days I feel like I don't have time for 30 minutes of yoga, which is again, a depression thing talking. You can make a 10 minute yoga practice and then you can have done yoga today and you feel better about yourself. Um, just, and I like little treats. I think that we shouldn't deprive ourselves of things that bring us joy, even if we don't think that we deserved them. If, if getting through the day was a task, like you got through it, get, give yourself a peanut butter cup. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I love that. That's, um, that's for me something this year or well, last year, cause we're only in this year, but I've, um, trying to implement in them. I don't think we understand like the getting outside and moving our body. I know people say it all the time and some people are like, yeah, right. But the days when I, I even bought like a walking pad because when it's cold in the winters here in New Jersey, I'm like, I need to get out and do my walk. But if it's like freezing or snow, I move my body in some ways. And that's done so much more than so many things. And I think so many people maybe just underestimate that. Like if you just, whether it is just yoga, I mean, that's a great thing to do. Just move your body in some way and you can just stretch and watch Gilmore Girls at the same time. Well, there you go. That's, you know, say, yeah. That's all I'm saying. You can sit on the floor and touch your toes and watch Gilmore Girls. We can accomplish two things at once. Oh my God. I, oh gosh, that's something I have to get back into. I've not seen that in forever. And it's like blowing up all over like TikTok again. Like, people oh, I'm perpetually, I have been perpetually watching that series for probably the past five years. Just oh. it, whenever it stops, I'm like, all right, I guess we're back on episode one. Sometimes yeah. I watch it on mute if I'm writing music. Like, it's just, there's something about it that is just calming. And I think that that's another self care thing. It's just like, I think that sometimes we demonize things because it it equates with laziness or it equates with something like that. When honestly, like this world is so fucked in so many ways. And especially if you're in any kind of empathetic person, like there's so many times where you're like, but what can I do? And, and the answer is not an awful lot, you know, like, unfortunately there's an, like, we can have our platforms and we can use it to the best of our ability, but it's not going to make us feel better. You know, there's not a lot that we can do to take this hurt away. Um, So sometimes it's just like, just, hey, allow yourself to feel those feelings and treat yourself with kindness and softness. And if that means that you didn't accomplish a lot today, at least maybe you got the sun on your face for 20 minutes, you know? Oh, I, yeah, that's, I think that people are going to need to hear that for sure, because I think a lot of us, we can put that pressure on where, oh, I didn't do anything today, or, or if I'm having a bad mental health day, but maybe I went outside, maybe I went on that walk, maybe again, I bought myself a treat, you know, whatever I did to make mm-hmm. myself feel better. And I think we have to also just 
give everybody like give ourselves some grace in that too. And that, yes. I mean, and even in a creative way, like the creative process takes time. Most of us write songs that don't come out for on records until 18 months later, or the work that you do on a podcast, you know, you can compile episodes and have to edit them for weeks before they see the light of day. There's so many times when I'm writing songs that nobody will hear for years where you feel like you didn't do anything. But if you do a little something every single day, all of a sudden, that's another reason why I decided to switch the way with my Patreon. I was like, no, now people will actually see. Well, like I said, will everyone be like my best? No, but this is also part of the process. This is what it's like to be a musician right now. I had a, you know, it's also, I'm, I'm a little scared because of how vulnerable I am with my lyrics to be like, oh, do I really want to be this open about what's going on in my life currently? Usually my record comes out and people are like, damn that breakup. And you're like, yeah, I know. Right. You know, now it's like, oh, this is in real time. Sick. I'm going to need to protect the identity of some people. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Oh, I, oh, I can't, but I, we literally, Kaylee, you've said so many amazing things and this has been so much fun. And I, I just appreciate you taking the time for us because this was one I was looking forward to ever since doing it in music and mental health. I was like, Oh, I gotta have her on. And whether it's to push people your way or just, I knew you would have so many important things to say. And thanks. I feel like I've just rambled on because all I've had is coffee today. So I'm sorry. (laughs) No, you're perfect. And I, you know, even before doing this too, with Justine, I was like, I really want to value Kaylee's time. So I'm going to try and keep it like an hour ish because I want to always be respectful of that and like and look at us like we did it and you did again like you've said so many important things that again I know I'm going to clip and just have for myself whenever I'm going through something and be like I, I probably need to, to, to hear them myself you know it's yeah. one of those things <laughs> oh all the time whenever we do this podcast sometimes I'm like oh I should take what I'm saying like yeah and not just say it um and kind of apply that to myself but uh but I'm also will- you know we feel a little like romantic because it's the start of the year you know you're still kind of feeling a little sentimental yeah I'm like maybe I'll you know mid-year I'll you know we'll see but we want you to get back to the rest of your day but again thank you so much like this thank you I got a I got a song I need to write there you go yeah all right and that was our conversation with Kaylee Goldsworthy again I want to thank Kaylee for her time and I made a promise that I was only going to keep this an hour because I wanted to honor her time because she is so busy and I appreciated the time she took for our little podcast. And we did, we did it. I was so proud of that. Um, But again, Kaylee says so many amazing things in this one. And again, I'm going to clip so many things for myself when I'm going through anything. And I know a lot of you probably will too. Remember to please check out our Patreon because she's doing that cool thing over there, which we talked about. And I think it's a great way that you can give back to an artist directly and support them and see the process and see all that goes into it. Because I think a lot of us click on a song and are like, okay, yeah, but not knowing the process behind it and what she's doing. It's just a really cool thing, you know? So I really would like you guys to check that out. Please look for the links below, click on it. It's such a low price. We can definitely do that and support an artist so deserving. As always, guys, you will hear us next Tuesday, bright and early. All right. Bye guys.